Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. Oh, man, Sandy, Greg, doesn't a glass of wine sound good right about now? Oh, uh, replace glass with bottle, and yes, it does. John, thank you very much. <laughs> You're my kind of guy, Greg Matzik. There you go. We have beer in the studio quite often. Yeah, we don't do it wine. Let's have some uh, vineyard folks in. Sure. That's what we got to do. We have some good wineries in Wisconsin, for sure. The Decanter World Wine Awards are out hmm. for 2023, the world's biggest and most established wine competition. It was a big victory for Australia. They received 10 best in shows, more than any other nation, Australia. A lot of whites, a lot of lighter wines. They received 10 best in show. The traditional winemaking powers of France and Spain, uh, they were next. They each got eight. Eight for each of those countries. Delightful. You were just can, in Spain. I, saying, I can vouch for the wine? Spanish wine. Certainly did. And wine, because they make so much of it and it's so good, yeah. is quite affordable. So you get a glass yes. of wine in Spain for like three euro. A it, big glass yeah. of wine. Well, in Italy, you can find bottles of wine for like five euro. Mm. It's, it's amazing. So Italy had seven best in shows. All reds. Mm. Most of them from Tuscany. Portugal had three best in shows, mostly ports. Argentina there you go. and Germany each had two. And uh, there were two also best in shows for Greece and South Africa. The United States only had one. It's a Pinot Noir from Oregon. Ooh, I like that. Um, uh, Argentina, Malbec. I had yeah. never heard of a Malbec before I visited Buenos oh. Aires in 2008. Yeah. You know, you're doing your research. Sure. What should I have? Wow. I have never met a Malbec I didn't like. I like Chilean wine a lot, too. That part of the world grows some nice, a nice grapes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little spicy Carmenere from Chile. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my, um, a Chilean, trying to read down the list here. Sea bass? Um, <laughs> <laughs> In a bottle? <laughs> Chilean sea bass wine. Interesting. It's not on the list. Uh, so one from the United States, one from New Zealand. One of our favorite wines in the world. One of our types of wine is I love Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. And it also won one. So congratulations to Australia. Ten That's best shows. First time they've ever won ten. First time they've ever been at the top of the list. Well, may I ask what kind of wine? Because they have such a huge country, and I don't ever think of, you know, yeah. you, you don't necessarily hear about the Australian wine region like you hear about A mix Bordeaux of everything. So they had uh, two winning reds from the Margaret River region. They had another red from South Australia. They had a Chardonnay from the Sydney area. So kind of everything and all over from Australia. So good well day, good day to the Australians. Up next, in case you missed it, on WTMJ. All right, happy Friday. I don't know how your Friday's going, but we kind of got the giggles in the studio today. It's <laughs> Friday. Yeah, in a good way. Well, because it is such a heavy news day as well when we're talking yep. about history yep. making in politics. So balance that out. That's right. All right, on Fridays, we'd like to do this little segment where we talk about things maybe you haven't heard or needed a little refresher on. It's called In Case You Missed It. Let's go to New Zealand. Oh. Sky Nest is the name of this product. Air New Zealand, and the product is called Sky Nest. It's on airplanes. Crystal Cabin Awards recently decided that this was the best innovation in the economy cabin, so that's what most of us fly in, the main cabin on airplanes. Air New Zealand has decided that you will be able to buy bunk beds. It Look at the picture. It looks like a bunk bed, like we've all seen. 
And this isn't just in the fancy, like, you know, you got to be in business class or first class. And it's not just futuristic. So the Crystal Cabin Award says usually when they give awards, it's for stuff that's in the concept stage and may happen eventually. Air New Zealand says you will be able to buy, uh, purchase a ticket for a bunk bed beginning next year. Here's my question. What, what? would be more desirable? And expensive, probably. The top bunk or the bottom bunk? Do you want the top bunk or the bottom bunk, knowing that you may not know the other person on the airplane? I had the top bunk. I had a loft dorm room. I had top room bunk, too. In the, and, well, in the dorm room in college, and I did one of those spectacular panic dreams where I thought I was missing oh, out on a no. final. And I sat bolt upright, and I almost broke my nose. Like, I hit the ceiling so hard. Oh, so God. I would vote bottom for me. What What's the separation of space between uh, Look, it looks like the separation of space is maybe two feet Okay, that, between that's if you're laying on the back bunk and the and the one above you, that actually looks like more room than like I've been on a train in Europe yeah. and I've yeah, been like, whoa, this is really tight. Yeah, this is not bad. And you're tall. Uh, yes, I think in that light, I would I would usually be better on the bottom bunk in most instances. It also allows me to get to the bathroom quicker. Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm 55. Right? Oh my gosh, I, I got to get go to the bathroom in yeah. the middle of the night. These are Much realities. Easier if you're the I get bottom, it. Right? Like a one stream thing or two things stream. Lots of different. Uh, this it, is something I do enjoy about the design <laughs> of aircraft and not. Is really using the space smart. So I'm, yeah. I'm let's let's try out the bunk. Exactly. Bed. Depends how many old fashions I've had. That's true. In case you missed it. Whoa. In case you missed it, a couple of celebrities <laughs> have now moved on. First, can we pay tribute to pro wrestling legend and highly entertaining villain, the Iron Sheik? Was he this, a bad guy in wrestling? Oh, yeah. He was a bad guy. You're yeah, right. This was his entrance music. Uh, he was born in Iran, kind of embodied that uh, whole time in the 80s, and was a big foe of Hulk Hogan, Bob Backlund, Sergeant Slaughter. Hmm. He passed away Wednesday, age 81. Uh, he, but he had a very interesting history. Not only was he a very charismatic and compelling villain in all of the WWF and WWE world, but before he started professional wrestling, he was a bodyguard for the last Shah of Iran. Wow. Then he moved here, was wrestling in Minnesota. I was talking with Jeff Wagner, our teammate, about this. He was a big fan of the Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah. Jeff used to wrestle. <laughs> Still does. He did, yeah. But wrestling, uh, just it broke into professional wrestling in Minnesota and actually also helped train U.S. Olympian athlete wrestlers in 1972 and just built this uh, very... Big following. So uh, rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. And he also has been credited uh, with uh, coining the phrase jabroni. If I could. You know it, jabroni. There we go. So <laughs> I, I, I never heard that. I don't know what that is. You know it, jabroni? No. It's okay. I wouldn't have credited to the Iron Sheik if you had put me in a lie detector test. <laughs> is that That's a amazing. Beer? A jabroni? Yes, it is. So for those of you pro wrestling fans of all ages, uh, rest in peace, Iron Sheik. And then I want to note that... The woman who sang The Girl from Ipanema. This lovely voice. Is this part of the Sinatra song? It, well, this isn't the Sinatra version, but he did oh, a cover yeah, of yeah. it as well. I, I love that Sinatra version. Her name is Astrud Gilberto, and she passed away earlier this week at age 83. And this is that bossa nova sound that was huge in the 60s when this came out, and she helped popularize that. Oh. And Let's pay tribute to the legend that was the girl from Ipanema, Astrud Gilberto, in case you missed it. In case you missed it.
we're all familiar with the Jack Daniels bottle, right? Yes. Kind of an iconic logo. It's that black logo around the mm-hmm. glass bottle with the caramel-colored whiskey in there. Jack Daniels, oh, whole yeah. number seven, Tennessee whiskey. You can picture the bottle in your head right now. There's actually a follow-up to it, in case you missed it. I did a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah. The Supreme Court yesterday sided with Jack Daniels in a dispute over a poop-themed dog toy (laughs) that parodies its iconic liquor bottle, ruling that a lower court erred when it said the toy was covered by the First Amendment's free speech protections. So this dog toy created by VIP Products, it is strikingly similar to the Jack Daniels bottle. (laughs) However, instead of old number seven, it says old number two. (laughs) The distillers sue the company over the toy, which is replete with scatological humor, which I appreciate, claiming it violated a federal trademark law, which usually centers around how likely a consumer is to confuse the alleged infringement with something produced by the owner of the mark. Now, I would not anticipate... That Jack Daniels and Bad Spaniels is really all that similar. No. And the picture of a spaniel on the bottle, you're probably not going to confuse that. In addition, it's a plush dog toy. There's no liquid inside. Not that I see. Yeah. Maybe a squeaker. That's the old it. number two on your Tennessee carpet. That's the language on the bottle instead of the old number seven, Tennessee whiskey. But nonetheless, VIP dog toys, is uh, they're out. The poop-themed dog toy must go or be redesigned. In case you missed it. How about a bonus one? How about, how, about a, how about a bonus in case you missed it? I like that. Should, I'm ready. Should we do that? Sure. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, it's better than yours. That is Kellis. Kellis is 43 years old. That song came out 20 years ago. Okay, you know that song. Well, Kellis. I think I think it might be Keyless. Keyless. Good enough. Either way, either way. Keyless just... Kellis. All right, we'll go with Keyless. Well, this girl... Is dating Bill Murray, the Ghostbusters oh, no. guy, the Caddyshack guy. My Bill Murray? Yeah, he's 72. I would have thought he was 82. And I would have thought she was younger, right? Uh, yes. I would have thought she was in her 30s and he was in his 80s. Oh. Uh, they've been dating. They're hot and heavy. Oh, they've been gosh. seen all over London. She's been at concerts. Uh, he's been at her concerts. They've been seen in hotels coming and going at dinner together. He has been known to have good musical taste in the past. Then what, what went wrong here? What? But So it's interesting. I don't know about that. Oh, she sang on a Duran Duran song. Oh, great. Called The Man Who Stole a Leopard. So I, she's good. They don't need the help. She's good. But um, He's not a nice person, by the way. He's in trouble right now because they suspended filming on his movie because he threw an ashtray at Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> oh, told a my. film Told a film producer on that oh, film no. he was going to throw her across the parking lot. Recently got divorced, and she says he's addicted to uh, alcohol and marijuana, and he's a domestic abuser. So, Keyless, be careful, girl. I, prior to this uh, with Keyless, the only milkshakes he was consuming were likely insured. <laughs> <laughs> you saw him on the big screen on opening day, Greg, at Wrigley. Yeah, I wanted, he, to, I wanted to throw a baseball at the screen. He chugged horchata. He is, he, he is the most overrated actor Hollywood has ever seen. He's not funny. I, he had one role in Caddyshack that made me laugh. Kind of. And nothing else after of. that has ever made me laugh. Well, yeah. I can recommend Groundhog Day, at least. Give over that a chance. Over and over again? Do you watch yes. it over yes. and over? He's not funny and, and lost in translation, but he's very good in that. How about this? The S&P finishes the week at the highest level since August. It's in bull market territory. 
Dave Spano is the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. You can hear Money Talk with Dave and his team, 10 o'clock Saturdays here on WTMJ. Hey, Spano, thanks for being with us. Crazy. Bull market. Can you believe that I, from where we were? Yeah. I, I can't. So officially bull market from October began yesterday. Uh, tell, tell us what that means. First, what's the definition of bull market? And then give us some perspective on what this means. So really, when we talk about bear and bull market, it's in percentage of where it was, so trough to peak. And so we troughed out in October, and where we are today from that point is 20% up, and that's generally re- regarded as a bull market. And inverse of that, if from your peak to your trough, if it's in ex- excess of 20%, John, then you get a bear market. So uh, so we were down uh, at 20% lower in October. We're 20% higher today, calling it a new bear market. It still may be a head fake, but you look at all of the negative news that is out here, and you can see the rally that we're having is has really been pretty uh, pretty impressive. Hey, Dave, uh, tech stocks have started to rebound a little bit, too. I think we've kind of seen it all over the case, but is there something specific that's driving that? Yeah, really, really what we're talking about, Greg, is the AI revolution. And that really started probably uh, early this year when the tech stocks really began to rally. And, and it's interesting, we talk about the S&P 500 and the move that it's had and where we are. Really, the top 10 stocks represent maybe between 90 and 100% of the gain that we're talking about, of this 20% gain. Apple, Amazon, NVIDIA, the rest, those top 10 stocks are really pushing everything forward. If you strip those top 10 stocks out, the other 490 have been relatively flat. So no doubt about it, the AI revolution has moved a lot of those stocks and potentially could move them more yet. But I think Greg raises an interesting question, Dave, and it ties in another one that I had. How come the NASDAQ isn't back in bull market territory? Yeah, well, we're looking right now at a beginning of what we're starting to see in small caps. And so you look at what is happening, what we call the triple Qs, which is the NASDAQ. It's starting to move, and and some of those stocks uh, are are in both of those indices. But right now we're starting to see that move. In fact, we're starting to see some positive movement. When we talk about small caps and large caps, sometimes people forget what that means. Large capitalization, the largest companies in the country, there's mid-cap, mid-capitalization, and small cap, the smaller companies that are publicly traded. Those are starting to move as well. So we're starting to see the big names begin to move. And generally, you're either you're going to see the smaller and mid-cap names and the rest of the S&P 500 catch up, or possibly those names are going to have some, have some air taken out and they're going to come back down to reality. We don't really know what's going to happen yet, but we're going to have to watch it closely, especially as we move into next week. Big news next week, guys, where uh, the Federal Reserve is going to get together and it may be the pause that we've all been waiting for. And Dave, what is your opinion on finally getting the debt ceiling settled last week and how that's affected? Yeah, you'll remember I said it could be a big nothing burger, and it really was. I mean, just it's political brinkmanship. We thought that was going to happen. And, of course, all they really did is, you know, if you look at both sides who who, who took a a victory lap, probably means that it wasn't a very good deal. Or uh, you can see what is happening in, in the idea of the debt ceiling being kicked 
past the next election, November 2024, into 25. That's the real deal. So uh, we did think it was going to pass without much ado. There, you know, the, there was certainly a lot of uh, very politically motivated people who said the world was going to end. Uh, we tried to tell our clients and your listeners that wasn't going to be the case. So the debt ceiling uh, going getting behind us is a big deal. We're going to look to next week. The Federal Reserve, you know, they've been raising rates now for a significant amount of time. The fastest rate raises we've probably seen in modern history history uh, may come to a pause and then we're going to have to look to July to say did the inflation numbers begin to calm down but that's going to be a tricky move because at the very same time that that's happening OPEC is cutting its production which is going to push oil prices up which is part of the inflation argument. Dave Spano is the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management so Dave to your point markets are pricing in kind of like a 70 75 percent chance of a pause coming up at the June meeting what does that mean markets are pricing that in? So you start to see the, how the market begins to react on news. It's really when the market doesn't see something coming. So, for example, if, if the entire market, air quotes, radio quotes here, the entire market thinks that this is going to happen, it begins to price in where interest rates are going to go. Now, for some reason, if the Federal Reserve surprises the market, uh, you're going to see a violent move one way or another uh, and the fact that they're going to raise rates. But they've been really good, especially this Fed chairman, about telegraphing what they're going to do. So we don't expect uh, a shocker uh, next week, Wednesday. We think they're going to pause and then look at the data again in July. Because you have to remember, inflation is the rate of change, and people forget that. And so uh, you know, you have to remember you know, where we were, and as these inflation numbers get compared to last year's numbers, it begins to slow down. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the background, but it's really important to make sure that you're not trying to time the market, because that can get pretty tricky. Are all three indices in the green since January 1st, Dave? They, they are, but you have to look at you know how they begin to move. And again, as it goes back to Greg's question, John, is if you strip out those top 10 names, it's really kind of a flattish market. And so that's why we need to go through and not just blindly buy the indices, but go through and, and make sure you know what you own and why it's in your portfolio in the first place. And then, of course, all at the same time, guys, you've got this geopolitical risk. Obviously, uh, we're watching uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and at the same time, Taiwan and China is. Don't forget about that. Uh, and we can see every day there's more news. You saw the news, the news uh, with China and Cuba just the other day. So uh, there's certainly a lot of geopolitical risk as well. So I would tread carefully uh, through here, and at the same time, you can get a really good rate on a treasury. Four and a half percent on short-term treasuries is a phenomenal rate as you see all this uncertainty. All right, Dave. One of the reasons I'm with Annex is because you guys are a fiduciary, and that matters to me. Explain to people what a fiduciary means. Yeah, so the, to be a fiduciary is a standard of care. In in the financial services world, there's really two standards of care. One is what's called suitability. Suitability means it, it was the client suitable to that recommenda recommendation at that time. Uh, a fiduciary means they have to act in your best interest all of the time. And so we're starting to see that that, that term that you know we've thrown out there for a long time, 20 years plus, to find someone who is always acting in your best interest. And it just seems like that would be 
be logical. And in fact, sometimes there's even there's even a bifurcation of that term. Some people are a fiduciary some of the time. In other words, they'll act they'll act in in your interest some of the time, but then they'll recommend a product that pays them commission. So uh, you have to find someone who is a fee only fiduciary and not only a fiduciary part of the time. So there's no question that finding someone who's going to act in your best interest is something that you want to do. And it's not just about investments, guys. It's really about the financial planning part to make sure that you're rebalancing in times like this, that you're you're looking at your risk tolerance, that you're making sure that you don't have high cost products in your your portfolio. And most importantly, are you going to be able to get to where you want to go, which is retirement and have your money replace your paycheck? Dave Spano is the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Money Talk, 10 o'clock on Saturdays. Have a great weekend, Dave. Yeah, you too. We'll, We'll talk to you and enjoy the beautiful weather.